We cannot fully grasp God's grace without understanding the depth of our own sin and unworthiness. This is true for unbelievers in need of salvation, and it's also true for us followers of Christ who walk by faith each day. Think about this. Who needs the gospel? Do good people need the gospel or do bad people need the gospel? Welcome to the Wisdom Journey, where Stephen Davey is teaching through the Bible. He called this lesson, The Gospel is Not for Good People. As we set sail today, we're watching as Jesus continues his final journey to Jerusalem. He's going to encounter a man who's fairly convinced he's good enough to get into heaven. Luke describes this rich young man as a ruler in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Possibly he's a ruler of a local synagogue, maybe a, a member of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel. Clearly he's a, he's a model of morality. He's a religious leader, and he happens to be a prominent one. But he's troubled about something. In fact, he's come to the conclusion that he's missing something necessary to get into heaven. And so he comes to Jesus to try and find out what it is. Well, we're in Matthew's gospel here at chapter 19 and verse 16, where he asks the Lord, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus responds, surprisingly, here in verse 17, Well, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. I got to tell you, I'm surprised by that answer. I would have jumped right in with the gospel presentation, you know, that we're saved by faith alone. It looks like Jesus is agreeing with this man that eternal life can be earned through good works. What's Jesus doing here? Well, remember, Jesus knows this man's heart. He knows that if this man is going to receive the gift of eternal life, he's got to realize the depth of his own sin. You see, he's already confident that he's, he's good enough. He's a good man. He just needs to maybe do one more good thing to make it into heaven. He's just not sure what that one good thing is. So Jesus points him to the law and to the commandments. Well, the man responds here in verse 18 by asking Jesus, well, which ones? You know, which commandment should I keep? So Jesus rattles off six of them, knowing that this man is going to mentally check off uh, these commandments like he's checking off boxes. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus says you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Jesus rattles those off fairly quickly, and in verse 20, the young man said to him, all these I have kept. I checked all those boxes. What do I still lack? Well, then Jesus then delivers another surprising answer, verse 21. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. (laughs) With that, Jesus is, is putting his finger on this man's sinful heart. See, the truth is Jesus knows this man loves money. 
He loves his possessions, his social standing above everything else. So he's he's conformed outwardly, but he's secretly nursing a covetous, proud, greedy heart. Verse 22 tells us he went away sorrowful. He made his decision. His action makes it clear that he chooses possessions over people. He cherishes his greed more than he actually wants God. And the truth is, the gospel isn't for good people who check all the boxes anyway. It's for people who recognize they are sinners. They'll never check off all the boxes perfectly. They need to be saved. Now, with that, the Lord turns around and uses this encounter as a, as a teachable moment for his disciples. He speaks to them here in verse 24. Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What does he mean here? Well, uh, perhaps you've heard that there was a gate in the old city of Jerusalem called the Needle Gate, and that camels couldn't enter it without kneeling down. Well, that's an interesting idea. The only trouble is it isn't true. It's what we might call today an urban legend. Jesus is describing here a literal camel and a literal needle, and a camel is never going to squeeze through the eye of a needle. Now, the disciples get the picture immediately because they respond here in verse 25, well, who then can be saved? Jesus answers in the next verse, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In other words, salvation is impossible to achieve. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good things for it. Heaven isn't a reward for good behavior. It's a gift given to sinners who receive it by faith in Christ alone. So the rich man walked away because he was unwilling to admit he was a sinner. He couldn't accept the free gift by faith. In Jesus. Now, Peter says to Jesus here in verse 27, well, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? You got to love Peter. You know, the Sunday school class leader, he raises his hand and effectively says, Lord, we disciples, you know, we got a lot of struggles, but being a rich guy like that fellow over there, well, that's not a problem we've struggled with. We've walked away from any kind of a prosperous business uh, or or a wealthy life. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, what are we going to get uh, when we come into the kingdom? Now, you might think the Lord would jump down Peter's throat here, rebuking him. Instead, the Lord actually encourages him and uh, us as well. He, he's, he's going to speak now of, of when he returns and he establishes his kingdom. Verse 28, In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, this rich man who just walked away from Jesus was first. 
He was preeminent on earth at the moment. He was important. He was rich. But the disciples are poor as dirt. Guess what? One day, they will be preeminent as co-rulers with the Lord in his kingdom. And with that, the Lord delivers a parable to illustrate this truth. Now, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, in these days, a denarius represented the normal pay for one day's work. Well, uh, the parable continues as the day wears on. The owner of the vineyard sees the need for more workers, so he goes back to the marketplace at the third hour, we're told here. That's about 9 a.m. to enlist more workers. No specific pay is promised them, but the owner promises to pay them, the text says, whatever is right, verse 4. Then again, verses 5 and 6 tell us that he goes back to get even more workers at 3 p.m. and then again at 5 p.m. Now, when the workday ends, the laborers all line up and they're paid their wages. And get this, they're all paid one denarius for their work, even the ones who started later on in the day. Well, as expected, those who you know, had been working all day, started to grumble. And the master responds to them here in verse 13, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? All this is true. He kept his word He didn't cheat anybody. He was simply generous with the later workers. And now here in verse 30, Jesus repeats the principle he gave earlier. The last will be first and the first last. So what's the point? Well, the point is we're all going to be rewarded by the Lord, not based on what we deserve, but based on his incredible generosity. Salvation is all of God's grace, and the rewards we will one day receive for serving the Lord are still going to be the result of God's grace. We're all going to be singing the same song the Apostle Paul sang, as it were, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Whether you've come to faith in Christ as a little child or late in life, Heaven is still completely yours. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I'm glad you joined us today for this segment of The Wisdom Journey. Your Bible teacher is Stephen Davey. He's teaching through the entire Bible with a new lesson each weekday. Today's lesson was called, The Gospel is Not for Good People. We have a free resource we're offering today, and I encourage you to get it. It's called, A Quick and Easy Guide to Understanding the Bible. Learn more and get your free copy 
at wisdomonline.org forward slash guide. Then join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.